0: to Kensington Online. My name is Greg. We are so glad that you are with us. Today we have an amazing service planned for you. We're in week one of a brand new series we're calling Riding the Storm, where we're going to hear from our lead pastor, Patrick Holden, where we're talking all about what it looks like when you are in the storms of life, when you're really asking that question, God, where are you? Or even wrestling with the question, is there even a god in this tough situation that i'm in it's something that we all struggle with and deal with and so i'm really excited to see what patrick has to say for us today the band has some amazing music we're opening with a cold play tune we've got ryan and shauna and nikki leading the band well we're just about to get started thanks again for sharing our content online and let's get going
1: I used to the world seas would rise when I gave the word now in the morning i sleep alone sweep the streets I
0: Play fans in the house this morning, a few of us, yeah. Well, welcome. You guys can have a seat. My name is Greg. We are so excited that you are here with us today. And today is my favorite day of the year, January 98. Anyone with me? Yeah, like April and a foot of snow. It just makes a lot of sense. I just, I'm confused. But we love Traverse City. We are glad that you are here. And really, um, if it's your first time with us today, an extra special welcome here at Kensington Church. It really is a safe place for you to explore your faith. All said and done, we're together for about 70 minutes. We'll hear a message from our lead pastor, Patrick Holden. And we're in the first week of a brand new series we're calling Riding the Storm. And we opened with that Coldplay tune because it was inspired... Um, The lead singer of Coldplay was inspired by an artist who struggled with chronic pain and paralysis from polio. And even through all of this pain and struggle that this artist experienced, she created some of the most beautiful work and a painting that she did actually inspired that song. And that's what we're going to be really wrestling with today is, where is God amidst the storms of life? I mean, we all struggle Um, to some degree or another, and we all experience storms in our lives, and so that's what we're going to be wrestling with today. I'm really looking forward to that. Well, we have some uh, awesome things coming up. It's a busy season here at church, and so there's a few things I'd like to highlight for us, and the first thing is Render coming up on April 18th. Our Render service, if you haven't been to it, it's a worship service. It's Uh, We sing a lot of songs, we hear a message from Patrick, we take communion together. But it's one of our ways where we like to take a big church and make it feel small. We meet across the hall for about an hour together. It's really a great time, one of my favorite things that we do. So make sure that you're there. It's uh, Wednesday night, April 18th. Um, Next on the list is we have a concert coming up on April 13th. That's this Friday, We have um, some great uh, Christian bands who are going to be here. You can find all that information if you go to Fuel FM's website. Our friends over there are helping us put on this concert. So go to uh, myfuelfm.com to find out all about that. And next is GLS. Now what that stands for is Global Leadership Summit. Now this is a ways off. It's happening in August. um, But we're talking about it now because it's something that we want to get on your radar because we want everyone to participate in it. Um, it's, if you're not familiar with it, it they get together the, the biggest names in leadership and in speaking some of the greatest minds and thinkers of our time all together for this huge two-day summit. And we are one of the premier hosts here at Kensington Traverse City. We've got a, a screen with some of the speakers that are coming. We can take a look uh, Denzel Washington will be one of the presenters Rasmuth Ankerson, Um We've got Simon Sinek Maybe you've seen some of his viral videos That have come up Craig Groeschel is a big uh, name in the christian world so we'd love it if you're a stay-at-home mom whether you're a leader in the area whether you're an entrepreneur this really is an event you don't want to miss and we're talking about it so early because there is an early bird sign up uh, for the cost it, it ends up knocking off about hundred dollars actually so if you get signed up before june 1st we'd love for you uh, to participate in that And next Sunday is a big one for us, too, because we are celebrating baptisms together. So let's take a quick look at the side screens together.
2: In 2000, I had a transformative encounter with Jesus Christ, so much so that I came home from that Easter service, looked at my wife, and I said, the man that left today is not the man that stands in front of you. And it began this journey with Jesus. In fact, it was about a three or four year journey. And friends of mine used to say, hey, you you need to get baptized, you need to get baptized. But I felt like God was saying, no, wait, wait for your wife. And in 2004, my wife came to me and said, hey, you know that baptism thing? I want to do that with you. And we got baptized that summer. It was a beautiful ceremony out in Stony Creek. When we were coming home, my wife said to me, you know what, when we were coming out of the water, I felt like God gave me a vision. Now, if you know my wife, Amy, that's not how she speaks at all. And I said, oh, tell me what this vision is. And she said, you know when you're on a roller coaster and you get, you're in the seat and all of a sudden you start going up that hill, chink, 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 chink. And you start moving up that hill to go to the crest of the hill. She goes, that's the vision I had. And then I felt like God said to me, buckle up. You're about to go on the ride of your life. And that statement was one of the most true statements we had ever heard. Over the last 14 years, Amy and I have been on the ride of our life with Christ And Kensington is holding their baptism service on April 14th and 15th. And if you're that person that feels like God is tugging you to him, then we're inviting you to be baptized. There's nothing magical in the water, but as you go down into the water, it washes your old self away. And as you come up, it's symbolic of God making you into a new creation. It's your public declaration of an inward reality. So come be with us, come get baptized. And I know that you're gonna have to buckle up and get ready for the ride of your life. Come join us.
0: Well, we'd love to invite you back next Sunday for our baptism services. And if you're feeling that pull, like you've taken that step Uh, and believing in jesus and wanting to follow him with your life but you haven't taken that step of baptism yet we'd love for you to sign up you can go to kensingtonchurch.org baptism or you can actually go in the lobby after the service and talk to one of the people at starting point or our info table and they'll get you signed up well last i'd love to invite everyone to stand up And say hi, give a handshake or a high five to those around you and uh, ask them this question. What month does spring actually start?
3: Hey, everybody, this is Patrick, and I just wanted to say thanks again for watching our service today online and being a part of this community. Now, we know that you might have some questions as you watch the service today and want to find out a little bit more information about who we are. And so we've created an environment for you to do just that. Simply go to startingpoint.today. That's startingpoint.today and fill out that short form, and one of our staff members will reach out to you very shortly and answer any questions that you have about our church and about who we are. Again, thanks so much for watching. We'll be back at the end of the service today. Uh, To give you a little bit more information But we'll see you here in just a few minutes
1: What's up everybody, my name is Ryan This is Nikki, this is Shauna We're going to lead you guys in a song called Glory to Glory Feel free to sing it with us, here we go Created from dust You took on our frame You walked in our pain Now you're taking us higher You stepped into time You laid down your life to save us You took all our shame On the cross it was lame us higher. We go from glory to glory to glory, sing, we'll never be the same, never be the same. We go from glory to glory to glory, we're forever changed. good to be with you guys this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful to be in a place like this where we could sing truth. And God, maybe some of us in the room are here for like the second time or even the first time, and they're not just so figured out about all this stuff we're seeing. God, I pray, Father, that uh, as we move forward, we sing this next song called What a Beautiful Name. God, that uh, there would be truth that would speak to them. God, there would be truth that speaks to all of us in this room, that we could just sing from an authentic place and read the words and experience you in a fresh way. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Feel free to sing with us.
4: You are the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation Now revealed in you, oh Christ What a beautiful name it is What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus Christ, our King What a beautiful name Nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. We didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus.
3: for a second. Some of you are here, and uh, this is your first time, or you just come, like, this is your second time you came at Easter, and uh, and you're like, you know, I don't even know what I think about the whole God thing. For the last, like, 10 minutes, we've been singing about Jesus, and you're like, I don't even know, I don't even know what I think about that. I don't even know what I think about faith. And, um, and then some of you, you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, and you came here today, and you came, but you had all sorts of baggage before you came in here. And you came, and you've already, like, talked to 10, 15 people, and none of those 15 people have any idea of the baggage that you're carrying. You carried it in nonetheless. And, uh, and the thing that I think unites every single one of us in this room is that we all carry some level of baggage. And the other thing about this week is for most of us, we've been running so fast carrying that baggage that a lot of us are just tired. And so when you hear a song about that, you hear a song about what a beautiful name and, you know, he has no rival, those kinds of things. Some of us are like, hey, I just, I want to pause and I want to just rest for a moment in that. And so what I want to do is, uh, however you want to do this, this is kind of like up to you. But I just want us just for a moment uh, just to kind of pause and just maybe for the first time this entire week, you just like reset and you just breathe for a second. And you just remind yourself that all the stuff that you're worried about, all the baggage that you're carrying, all the things that are going on in your life, that for the next little bit, we can just press pause on that. And just as a group of people in a room with cool lights and, you know, a guy with a Britney Spears mic on, and we can just for a moment pause and just remind ourselves that we can just rest for a second. So I'm gonna ask you. Maybe you want to close your eyes. Maybe you want to like bow your head. Maybe you just want to sit there and stare at the screen. Whatever this is for you, but just for a moment, let's just let's just kind of exhale and uh, and just rest for a second. God, we've we've been running so fast in the last week. A lot of us, we've been running fast with a lot of baggage, and we came in with you know maybe smiles but we got in a fight in the minivan on the way over we're we're here and we're kind of present we're kind of thinking about other things Father I just ask that, that now we would just pause and we'd be reminded that you're with us and no matter what we're carrying no matter what we're feeling no matter what kind of baggage we brought in today no matter how fast we've been running or even running away from that baggage that you meet us here because of your death and your resurrection, we get to just pause and rest and place our faith in something that's beyond us. God, we love you and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for singing with us. You can go ahead and have a seat. <clears throat> if this is your first time, again, we just want to say welcome. Uh, my name is Patrick. I'm the I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, we're stoked that you decided to join us today. And uh, and yeah, it's it's been a it's been a fun day so far. And do we have any Coldplay fans? Real quick, any Coldplay fans other than me that was losing their mind a few minutes ago? I was uh, I was in the back, and uh, that was a. Uh, it was embarrassing how much I was excited, so uh, yeah. So we're, we're so glad you're here. I want to go invite our ushers to move forward. Uh, we're going to receive our offering, and for those of you who call Kensington home, uh, we just want to say thank you again for partnering with us in all the ways that you do. Uh, a lot of you may know this, but really everything that we do, uh, both at our church and then locally in the community and then globally, uh, is really made possible because people just like you who give, and we talk about this a lot, there's a lot of ways that you can do this. Uh, you can give on the app. You can give on our website. You can even give through text. All the digital format kind of ways are significantly easier easier i don't know why but passing the blue pouches i never can come up with a word for that baskets whatever those are uh it's kind of a weird thing but you can do all of that online that's kind of the easier way to do it um and the other thing i want to tell you too is when it thank you rod what about rod guys i'm gonna say this i'm gonna say this real quick so some of you don't know this, uh, every morning, oh, sorry, I, I'm going to riff on this, we got time or we'll make it. Uh, anyway, uh, every every week we get a, a group of people that get here about 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning. Rod's one of them. Uh, Mark's back there, he's a part of this team. We have people from like eight, nine years old that are part of this team, they get to be mentored by a group of, of these men and women, which is amazing, and they make everything that we do happen, and then they make everything disappear uh, because I'm anal. So that's how that works, and uh, it's really a great thing, uh, but they're such an amazing, amazing team, uh, and uh, and if you're interested in being a part of that, too, or if you have a teenager you're like, hey, he needs to be around some you know, guys, talk some sense into him, these are the guys. They're great. And so uh, uh, you can get them up early. You just train them on Sundays, and it's great. So uh, anyway, no, they do an amazing job, uh, so thankful for them. But anyway, what I was saying is uh, uh, when, it, when you give here, you give both locally and you give globally, we're able to reach a little over half a million people with all of our campuses uh, around the world because of people just like you who give, and you volunteer, and you go on those trips, and so we want to say thanks. Uh, and the other thing I want to tell you is one of the ways that we reach people globally is through a project that we call uh, the Hope Water Project, uh, and then what we do with that is we actually go run like versions of a marathon, which is like 5K, 3K, and then way too much running. Uh, that's that, after that, I'm just like, I'm done. I don't know what happens, uh, but people do that with running, cycling, and then I'm going to be pushing a stroller or two uh, pretty soon, so we're excited about that. Uh, what we do, though, is as we run, hey, there's a baby in there. That's great. And it's a girl. We announced that yesterday. We're excited about that. 11 o'clock is a fun crowd. My wife's getting high fives in the back. That's my favorite thing in the world. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, anyway, we'll be doing that. The uh, thing I want to tell you that I'm so excited about is uh, we, uh, we had two girls in elementary school. So we've been talking about this in our K kids environment had two girls in elementary school who really got passionate about this. And their names are Ashlyn and Kaylin. And what they did is they're like, hey, we want to be a part of of Hope Water. And we want to raise money for it. And so these two elementary school girls, uh, they made a bunch of brownies. And they showed up to a local store. And they sold all of their brownies. Uh, And if I would have known, I would have bought all of them. uh, but Because I love brownies and being a good person. But I love brownies. So uh, anyway, so uh, they, they did this. And they sold it. And they took all their money. And they gave it to the Hope Water Project. And I was like, that is extraordinary. Right that's pretty great. Um. I love that we're teaching that kind of generosity to our kids, and I, uh, I love that they stepped up and did that, so Ashley and Caitlin, thank you so much uh, for raising money uh, with that. The other thing I want to tell you is uh, last week we did Easter services here. How many of you were at one of our Easter services? We had three, a bunch of them. We want to show you a couple of pictures. Uh, the reason I want to show you the pictures is not just because of how cool it was, even though it was extraordinary, uh, but our Easter services, again, were made possible because of people just like you who showed up, and a lot of you came to Good Friday service. This blows my mind. You came to Good Friday service, and you served on Saturday night, and then you came back on on Sunday, um, and you brought people, which I just think is such an amazing thing. And so, thank. You. That's weird. I'm wearing the same thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's not. It's a different jacket. We're fine. Um, but the white shoes are still there. Anyway, uh, so, so yeah, it's an amazing thing. And so I just want to say to those of you who volunteered, you were part of that, thank you so much. We really can't say thank you enough for, for being a part of that entire weekend. Uh, we had so many people come through these doors. We packed out three services. I mean, it was just an amazing, amazing thing. And so thank you so much uh, for partnering with us uh, in that. Uh, and the last thing I want to tell you, and then we're going to jump into the talk, is uh, we're kicking off a brand new series today called uh, Riding the Storm. And so some of you are here because uh, you, somebody brought you or they invited you. They even told you what we were talking about, uh, and they were like, hey, you we you think you love this, this series, but what we're talking about in this series uh, that I love is that no matter where you are on the faith spectrum, no matter what you believe about God or Jesus or you know, anything like that, um, we're all finding ourselves at moments of brokenness at some point in our lives, and we've got to figure out how do we navigate that in a healthy way. And uh, so throughout this whole series, we're going to be talking about that, and, uh, and so it's a fantastic series to invite people to uh, and to be a part of, because every one of us knows somebody who's walking that. A lot of us are walking that. Uh, We'll be talking about that in a few minutes, but to get us thinking about it, uh, we got this little video uh, that kind of unpacks what we're going to be looking at uh, over the course of this series, so let's watch this video together. So all of us right now are sitting in a moment and we are in a very specific part of the world, which I think is one of the best parts of the world because we are in northern Michigan, specifically Traverse City, Michigan, which sits on a bay. So I feel like if you're in Traverse City, you almost have to like water. Is that, is that accurate? How many of you out there, like, you love water, you love the bay, you've already, like, got your bathing suit out, and you're just like, whenever the snow stops, uh, <clears throat> we're ready to go. Yeah, so real quick, I asked this the first hour. Anybody not like water? Like, you're not like, I could, I could do without water? Oh, yeah, that's great. There's three of us. That's great. Yeah, I would tell you, that's all right. Uh, that's all right. That's, yeah, uh, that's... I don't even have words. I don't know what to say about that. That's great. Uh, when I was a kid, I was like you. I was scared to death of it. Like, at I, I, the beginning, I was, like, nervous, but always fascinated by water. And part of the reason I was fascinated uh, by it is we would go to the beach as a kid, and I would really, I never wanted to get in the water. I would just kind of sit there and watch it. Because as you're watching the waves on a beach, what you begin to discover is that no matter how powerful you think you are, when you're in the waves, the waves are more powerful than you. Am I right? Like, if you ever tried to surf, you like, I think I can manhandle this wave, but the wave's like, ha huh, that's cute. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it looks at you in some ways, and, and you submit to whatever is happening around you when you're in the water. And I remember as a kid, I was fascinated by that idea. Uh, now, we didn't live by the beach, but we lived uh, near some lakes, and they weren't like the great lakes, but they were some okay lakes. And, uh, and we were there, and <clears throat> I was always fascinated, and I, I was scared of it, but at the same time, I wanted to be in it. And I never got a chance to, to be in a boat uh, until I was in sixth grade. And so the summer of my sixth grade year, uh, my mom wanted me to get a job, and I did not want to get a job. And so after lots of conversations, uh, we decided... We decided that I would take a job, and I would take a job for a week cleaning uh, this guy's boat. And this guy was in his mid-70s, very wealthy guy, had a super nice boat. And and he was like, hey, we want to get it ready for the season. If you'll just come and work for the whole week uh, cleaning it, then, then, then I'll pay you. And I was not interested in the money at all. What I wanted him to do was to take me out on the boat so that I could get that experience. And so I went the entire week and the last day, the last day that I was working on it, um, I went and uh, I went up to him that morning. And I was like, hey, you don't have to pay me anything. And his eyes lit up, you know, he was all excited about that. And I said, I would just love to go out with you on the water. And he said, yeah, let's, let's do that. We'll, we'll do that today. And so I finished cleaning, and it was kind of right in the evening. And so we went out on this boat, and I was so excited. And I want you to picture this boat for a second. It was this massive sort of white boat, and on the, on the bottom level floor, I don't know what you call it, but whatever that is, on the bottom of the boat, there was a, like the steering wheel? I don't know. Uh, with the rods coming out, I don't know. So he's got the whole thing here. And so he's like, I'll man it here. And then there was like a second level, right? Just like tiny, like little second level. And he goes, you can go up there and you can man that steering wheel, whatever it's called. And so so I did. So I walked up to the second kind of level and we were both steering it together. I'm not, I felt like it was driver's ed. I don't even feel like that one works, but I was up there attempting. And so we get out and we're going out on the water. And as we go out on the water, we're out maybe an hour and a half, maybe two hours. And all of a sudden, in the distance, we see, like, this storm brewing. Now, I want you to picture this. Like, you're out on the water, and if you've been out on the water, you kind of can imagine this. We're on the boat. I'm on the top of it. I remember looking out, and I remember thinking, that looks closer than I want it to be. And I remember looking at him and say, hey, I think a storm's coming. Now, when you're with a 75-year-old man, the only thing you really want from them is confidence, right? Like, at that moment, I just needed him to look at me and say this, it's going to be okay. what he did is he looks at me with, like, some angst in his voice and a little bit of quivering, and he goes, yeah, a storm's coming. And he was noticeably, like, unnerved, which made me super unnerved and regretfully eating Mexican food before we got out there, right? Like, that's... That's all happening. So I'm out there on this boat. Now I'm scared and he's scared and we're out on the water. And then all of a sudden we turn back to try to make it back to the shore. And he knew, and I didn't know, that we were never going to make it back in time. We were going to be riding out the storm together. So my my first boat experience, we're out on the water in this storm. And it's on a lake, but there's still like waves crashing kind of all around. And the boat's going back and forth. And I'm seasick. And he's judging me. And all of this is going on at one time. Now, I remember this, this quick moment, though, when I looked at him and I was scared and he knew the storm was coming. And when I said to him what I said to him about being unnerved and then he was unnerved, there was something inside of me that, like, dropped. Right? You ever had a moment when, like, you were hopeful that it was going to be okay and then all of a sudden, like, in the, like, you feel it in the bottom of your stomach? It's like a weird emotion and a weird physical feeling where it feels like the bottom drops out, but it also comes back up, you know, like. This whole thing is happening inside of me. And what I felt was like a lack of hope. Now I'm a sixth grader, so it felt more dramatic than it probably was, but for me it felt like hope was lost. Like in this moment, I'm like, I'm gonna die. What do I wanna say? Who do I want to say it to? And I should have asked her out. Like all this has happened for me in sixth grade, and I'm looking out, feeling all of these things. But what I'm feeling is like this loss of hope. That maybe there was hope, but you know, if you're not telling me if there is, then maybe. There's not. Now, the second thing that I knew, and it was part of the thing that drew me out on the water in the first place, not only was hope lost, but I, as a sixth grade student, was extraordinarily powerless. There was nothing I was going to do to solve this problem. If anything, I was just a liability and dead weight on this boat. And so we're on this boat, and we're turning back, and we're heading back towards the shore, and the waves are crashing, and it's frightening, and I'm scared, and he's scared, and it's angsty, out on the water. And when you find yourself in those kinds of moments, you begin to discover that no matter what you think of yourself, no matter how good you think you are, no matter how strong you are in that moment, it feels like the storm is going to win, right? It feels like you are powerless and you can't solve it and you can't fix it. And it feels like in that moment, the storm won. Now there's the metaphorical kind of way of thinking about this, right? When you think about your life in this area as well. Right. I talked to a friend recently, uh, he's in his 50s, and he was looking towards retirement, he was looking towards fixing things, he was looking towards uh, a wedding, he was looking through all of these sorts of things. And then out of nowhere, the storm comes, and he loses his job, and he's just there, and he finds himself in a storm that he can't solve and or fix in that moment, and you're left with going, what is that? Because with that comes this whole like underlying set of questions of how do I figure this out and what do I do and how do I fix it with the exact same realization that you can't fix that. Every once in a while I'll talk to uh, moms or, or women who really want to, to be moms, right? And they're going, you know what? I, I just, I want biological children. And there's this like hope, 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 hope. And there's looking forward and looking forward to and looking forward to, it, but it's just not happening. And there comes a moment when a doctor says, I don't know if this is going to happen for you. And all of a sudden it feels like the storm comes all at once and the questions and the doubt and the fear and the anxiousness. And the, I don't know how to solve that. I can't fix that on my own. And I just feel broken. As a pastor, I, I talked to people, who all the time are struggling in their marriage, right? And all the time, it's, it's, it's almost an identical story. One of the spouses comes in, and though it's not like an overnight thing, it feels like an overnight thing. And they walk in, and they're like, I just, I, 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 this is not for me, right? It happens to me. It happens all the time, all the time. And I'm going, like, in that moment, all you feel is lost and brokenness on both sides. Like, both people feel hope is lost, and at the same time, they both feel powerless. And they're both sitting there with the same questions and the same angst and the same struggle and the same questions. And they can't solve it, and they can't fix it on their own. It's like a storm came out of nowhere. One of the most powerful conversations that I think I've ever had in my entire life, uh, there was a man in his 80s, um, and uh, I, was, I was right out of college and college. And we're having a conversation, with this man, who's <laughs> was in his 80s, lost his son earlier on in life. And this is something that I can't personally fathom. And one day it felt like things were going the way that they should go. And then the next day, the world was turned upside down. And all that he talked about was the angst and the pain and the questions. And underneath all of it was him. Still, 20, 30 years later. With this like quivering in his voice that kind of denotes the pain and suffering and the questions. And feeling like hope was lost. And at the same time in those moments only describing a feeling of weakness and powerlessness. And that's true whether you believe in God or not. That's true whether you've been a Christian since, you know, vacation Bible school days. That's true if you were angry that, you know, people even believe in God. The unifying factor for all of us is that pain kind of comes and suffering sort of comes and we feel sore, like so many different emotions, right? Some of the emotions that we feel are like this, right? We feel confused or lost, afraid, distant, alone, anxious, broken, desperate, but weak as well. And that feeling of weakness, I think, points to something that's deeper in our hearts and in our minds, deeper in our lives that points to something that's beyond us. Now the problem that we don't ever like to admit is this, especially if things feel like they're going well right now, is that storms are inevitable, right? At some point along the way, even if you feel like everything's going super smooth right now, Tony Evans says it this way, he's a pastor, I love the way that he says it, he says, we cannot escape trials or storms. Either you are in a trial right now, you've just come out of a trial, or you're getting ready to go in a trial. Like you're kind of in one of these three camps. At the end of the day, you've just come out of one, you're headed towards one, Right? Like all of these things begin to happen. And because that is true, we have to figure out how do we navigate that. We have to figure out how do we get underneath of all of those questions and problems and storms that seem like sometimes they come out of nowhere. And we still got to figure out how to navigate through now, there's a guy in the Bible who ended up writing about half the New Testament. This guy's name is Paul. Paul is one of the most fascinating people in all of scriptures to me. I love talking about Paul and teaching some of the things uh, that he taught because Paul was a guy that was adamantly opposed to Jesus and people who were followers of the way as they would describe it early on. He was the guy that persecuted Christians. He would oversee right, the execution of some of these early followers of Jesus. And then all of a sudden he meets Jesus in this extraordinary and powerful way. And his mind has changed. His life has changed. He was headed in one direction and all of a sudden shifts into a new direction. And the thing that I love about Paul is that Paul may have been a little bit of a feeler, but he was absolutely intelligent. He was very educated, spoke multiple languages, knew how to do all this sorts of things, super educated. And what he does is he looks at how this local church was beginning to start in the ancient world. And he says, you're focused on this small group of people. What if we took this to the whole world? And really, in a lot of ways, he was the guy that was the catalyst to take the truth and the gospel message of Jesus' death and resurrection all over the ancient world. But as he progressed through his life, he had all of these winds and high moments, but he also had extraordinary lows. And and towards the end of his life, not at the end, but towards the end of his life, he's captured, he's become a prisoner. And they're transporting him across this kind of ancient world over the seas, right, to this other place where he's going to plead his case. Now, he's on this boat with about 276 other men. And what he does is he begins to discover that they're about to get on a boat and things are about to get very difficult and very rocky along the way. In fact, this is, this is how uh, the writer uh, kind of puts this. The writer's a guy named Luke who was a physician. You know, we almost get this like uh, account from him as if he was in first person. I love this. So Paul stands up to this group of people and says, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous. And bring great loss to the ship and cargo, and if that is not enough, our own lives also. But if you picture this, there's 276 men, a bunch of them are prisoners, and there's the guy who's sort of leading the whole thing, and there's almost this internal thought process of we don't need to listen to Paul because maybe he's just trying to get out of it. And so the leader of this whole kind of ship thing does what, you know, I think most leaders would do. It says this, it says, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. He goes after the people who should know what's going on and what's about to happen. And since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided, which I love, that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. So he listens to the people who should know. They kind of take this boat and say, We're we going to listen to Paul. No, let's get on the boat and let's go. And so they get out on the boat, and you almost picture the same sort of thing I was describing earlier. It's clear, sunny skies. They're just going. And then Luke says this, before very long, a wind of hurricane force, which I love. Like when you read when, what Luke writes down, he's very detailed, like you want your doctor to be, right? So this wind of hurricane force shows up. And it's called the Northeaster. And it's swept down from the island, the ship. Was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. And so Luke's giving this account. So we gave way to it and were driven along. We understood that we couldn't make the waves do what we wanted to do, we can't control the weather. We just submitted to the storm that was in our path he says this, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw cargo overboard. These men were like, we're a little nervous we're going to sink. So they're throwing stuff over the side of the boat. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Now, I love this. He's kind of pointing to the leaders going, they were involved too. That everybody was sort of on this equal, equal playing field. We're all scared. We're all not sure that we're going to make it. So we're all involved in trying to sustain our lives. And then I love the imagery that Luke uses next. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Now think about that. We gave up. All hope. Just one of you? No, no, no. All 276 of us. The prisoners, the workers, the leaders. The Christians. The men of faith. The men without faith. They all give up hope. And then Luke chronicles what happens next. He says Paul has this encounter with God. Where God promises that he and everyone on board are going to be saved, even though they've been at at sea and only seen the storm and not seen anything above the clouds and the waves that are coming. God promises that they're all going to be okay. So Paul stands up to give this message of hope to everyone on board. He says, so keep your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Now, this is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible, and here's why. Because when Paul's talking about pain and suffering and the storm and you know, all, Luke's writing all this down, getting it just right, you can almost get, the, for me, when Luke's writing it, going, all right, this is the moment. Because what he's saying is, we're going to be okay, but what's next is still going to be hard and difficult. What's next is still going to be painful. What's next isn't going to be easy. But you get this underlying thread that God still showed up in the midst of the storm. That God was present. Throughout the whole thing. That Paul being guided by. Not the captain of the ship. But by a God. Who almost felt like he was orchestrating. Bits and pieces together. And redeeming bits and pieces together. Moving in the direction that it needed. To go. What happens next is this. Kind of beautiful dramatic. Kind of lost moment. Remember the series lost. We get this moment where they show up and. They have this, like, big shipwreck. And I always picture, like, people on Survivor. Anybody ever watch Survivor? You know what I'm talking about? And it's like you watch them, you're like, I would never do that. And your wife goes, you would do all of that. You know? I think we watched all 74 seasons of Survivor. And it's the same thing. Everything (laughs) and we're fine. All right, so. And everybody's kind of scattered. People are jumping off. The ship kind of runs aground. People are jumping off the sides of the boat. And Paul, as a prisoner, is almost guiding all of this together. Now, I love what happens next because that would have been a great story as it is. But after they get all 276 of the men off and they make it to the the shore, they build this fire. And then you get the more interesting part to me of the story. What happens next is this. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. Now, if you enjoy reading the Bible, then you love to ask questions as you're reading things. And as you read this text, there are so many great questions. Number one, why a viper? Right? It could have been anything right? It could have been a tarantula. That would have been my greatest fear. But a viper shows up and it's driven out by something that Paul did. Paul builds a fire which drives the viper out towards him. Now, Luke could have said anything here, but not only was it like biting him, but it fastened itself on his hand. That doesn't mean bite and then it goes away. It means, oh my gosh, right? Now, uh, I... I tried to figure out, like, what, what is this like? And, and so for me, uh, when I was a kid, I went over to a friend's house, and they have the mean dog. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about, like, the mean dog? That family is like, they're outside. Don't go outside. They will bite you. And so they had that dog, and they had, a, like, this uh, clear glass door. So as a kid, that just meant go mess with the dog from the safety of the glass door, right? So that's what I did. And I'm like, this dog is losing its mind, jumping up and down, like, jumping up, slobber all the way down. But they didn't tell me about their cats. And so I'm like at the door, like making this dog lose its mind and it's barking and screaming. I even think it was yelling profanity. I don't know. It was like going nuts. And all of a sudden this little cat comes behind and I didn't know it. And the cat jumps up and fastens itself to the part of my body where it would have been like a little butterfly tattoo in the back. You know what I'm talking about? Like fastens itself to that and is hanging off. And not just hanging off, but will not let go. The mom, right, the mom comes up to me in that spot to try to unclamp this cat from that place. And and I'm just standing there going, that was the most painful thing I think I've ever felt from a cat. And I think to myself, like, that's this. It's not a bite. It's a fastening itself. It's worse. It's the pain of the bite and then the pain of the continual bite. And all of this is on purpose. Luke is documenting just so you know all the details. And what happens next is this beautiful, beautiful moment. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. Now, this is where I think Luke is cracking up as he's writing it, right? Because you would think that the people standing around would try to help him get the viper off. But what they do is they stand back and is like, he must be a bad person. You brought this on yourself, right? They judge him. He's got a viper hanging off of his hand, and all they do is step back and say, well, that's your fault. You brought that onto yourself. Because of the decisions you made, you just should stand there and suffer with the hanging viper. And so they step back and they distance himself. Now, that's funny when you're talking about a viper and a guy with a big beard and thousands of years ago. But some of you know what that's like, right? Like, at your biggest storm and your most painful moment, all you felt was people do this. I talked to people who walked away from faith all the time, and over and over and over again, they were just like, yeah, well, they're hypocritical, the Christians. They don't get involved in the real-life stuff. They distanced themselves from the most difficult things. And all of the islanders stepped back, and they're like, That's interesting. Luke continues to write on and says this. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. Now we read that, and some of you read that, and you can easily pass over it because you don't believe that supernatural things happen. So when you read it in the Bible, it feels like a fairy tale. Right? It's all good. But Luke's like, this is what happened. Paul threw the snake into the fire, score, And he was fine. And the people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and all of a sudden those same people are like, he's a God. The people who distanced himself in the beginning find themselves leaning in when something extraordinary happens in this story. Some of you know what that's like as well. People who ran away from you at one point. Now look back at how you navigated the story and only retell your story over and over and over again. But they were so distant in the moment. So Luke, he writes and what he says next, so beautiful. Because he says that Paul is then taken to the house of the leader of this island called Malta. And he goes into the home, and now they're like thinking that he's a god because he you know survived the great viper attack of year three. I don't know what. And he goes into the house. I want you to imagine this. There's a leader of this island, and Paul is there. And I feel like the, the first thing that would have been noticed is what comes next. And that's that the leader of this island is just as broken as everyone else. Is living in just as much of a storm as everyone else because his father is sick and hope seems to be lost and powerlessness has set in. And Paul enters into that brokenness, and here's what Luke says The father of this leader was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Did I get that right? I never read things right. How, how do we say that? That's what I said. <laughs> just kidding dysentery dysentery me and nick talked about that earlier i couldn't figure out what it was all right and paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and i love this and heals him on this tiny island that they weren't even planning on being a part of they get shipwrecked and they go and paul steps into this and the power of jesus healing happens for this household would have never happened before and then the next line is this like what? the leader's father gets healed and then Luke says this and when this had happened the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured well, this island is 10 miles by like 15 miles it's, like, it's tiny so after Paul is part of this healing they bring all their sick you know, all these people and what Paul does is he teaches the gospel and he preaches I mean like, he, he spreads the truth to this tiny little island that they were never planning on being a part of. Now, when you rewind this back, I want you to rewind this back. He's imprisoned. He's a prisoner. He's put on a boat to go plead his case. He's still a prisoner throughout the entire thing. Then as a prisoner, he's shipwrecked, helps everybody get to safety, then gets bit by a viper and is judged. And then walks into the leader of this whole community's house, heals the father, and then they bring all of the sick to the community. And on this side of it, looking back, you go, I get it. Now, I would have never chosen it. But I get it. I look back on the pain. And you ask Paul, Paul, would you have been bit by that viper again? He's like, I'm like, of course. And then all of men, would you have been shipwrecked again? I don't know. I would have never chosen this journey. And I can't explain this journey. And I can't make all of this make sense. And I could have never fixed it along the way. But what if the God of the universe took all of the pain and all of the brokenness, and he did something with it? We can say it like this, that our pain is often repurposed for the healing of others. And the question is, but I don't want to go through that pain. And and the the response is this, right? And I don't know why. I wish I could solve this. The response is, but that happens. There is no religion, no religion that gives an answer to, like, why does all that happen? Sin is in the world. Our world is broken, and there are parts of it that you can't control, and there are parts of it that you can't fix on your own, and there are things that will happen to you that you didn't necessarily bring on yourself that just happened. But the beautiful part about the death and the resurrection of Jesus is that Jesus is resurrecting all of the broken things. That the God of the universe steps into our storms and says, You are not alone your pain and your brokenness and the questions and the doubt, bring it all. Because the God of the universe is in it with you and using it for you and for others. The God often uses our storms to transform. To transform our own hearts and our own life and to transform the lives of those people around you. You can't figure out and solve all of the brokenness. You can continue to try, but you can't. But you can know what it's like to walk from this area of brokenness through whatever it is that passes you by and whatever it is that comes at you and be able to look back and see that the God of the universe was with you every single step. So the question for us, a lot of us in this room that are like in the storm. And a lot of you like people have no idea that you're in it, but you're in it. My question to you is, is this. Who is it that you need to let in to your journey? I don't miss this. Because oftentimes we try to do this alone and by ourselves. Now, I'm like, again, we talk about this. I'm an introvert. I, I never wake up in the morning like, let's go have a party. Like, I just never feel that. One of the greatest disciplines we could ever find is having the relationships that are there in the most broken parts of our lives. Because the brokenness will come. And some of you, you're just being prideful. You would never say that. Most people would never say it to you. And I can say it because I'm on a stage and you can't really talk back. I get it. But what you're doing is you're like, I can do this on my own. And the question for you is, like, how long are you going to decide to do it on your own? How long are you just going to spin the wheels and say, I'm okay. I'm going to figure it out. I'm mad enough. I got it together. I'll, you know, I'll package it up, put it away. Like, I got it. And then when will you just say, I give up? When will you just say, all hope is lost if you're in the driver's seat? One of my favorite things that we do here in I say this all the time. Some you, like, when it comes to marriage, I, I talk to so many people who are in this when it comes to marriages. The best things you can ever do is let others in. And you let people in who have walked the journey before. We do a thing called marriage mentoring. I love it. The people that are in it are amazing. And what happens is a lot of those people knew what it was like to walk through the brokenness, and then they're on the other side of it. And what they can do is not solve all your problems, but what they can do is point to hope that is in front of you that you can't see because all you see is the storm. Some of you know what it's like to stay up all night and stare at a fan and just worry about your kids, right? You worry about your 20-something-year-old kid who you can't ground anymore. And you're powerless, and in some ways you feel hopeless, but you haven't really talked to anybody about what it is that you're walking through. Will you let someone in with you and release control. And there's another the group of you. And this is you. You're the person that would need to answer the question, who do you need to pursue? Right? On a room this size, I love this because when it comes to a room this size, there's people that are like walking in the storm right now and then there's others that are like, you've already walked it and you've walked this particular storm before and what you do, and I, I don't know how else to say it. You've walked it and you have your story that you've really not shared with people and you just, you hold on to it and you sit on it. My question for you is that the local church, from the time that it originated until now, is a group of people who say, I'm going to take all that God has done I'm going to release it to other people. I'm going to share my story with others because I know this about me. I can point to the hope. I can point beyond the clouds to what's ahead. I can point... Towards the way I can't solve all your problems, but I can point to it. One of my favorite things at our church is that we have a group of people who get up every single Sunday and they show up on behalf of middle school students and high school students, not just to develop their character, not just to make them better people, but to step into the brokenness that is middle school and say, I'm going to point beyond the clouds that you can't see. That I'm going to point in the direction that you don't even know is there. And show you the way out. Some of you, you're here and you show up and it's great. I'm so glad you do, but what would your life look like if you took your own story and your brokenness and this whole path that you've been on and you leveraged it on behalf of other people? And for all of I would say that anyone you ever hear that confidently says, you know, I know why the brokenness is, and you can fix it on your own, and you can do all that. That's not true. And if I ever say it, yell from the seats. Throw things, don't throw things, but you can yell. The truth of the scriptures and the thing that you know deeply in your heart is that sin is, brokenness is. Jesus is and when he died for you and when he died for me and when he rose from the grave on behalf of us and he initiated this resurrection of our hearts and in our lives it doesn't mean that he brings things back to the way that we want it to be all the time but what it does mean is that he takes the broken and he makes it whole and he meets us in those moments and he does what only he can do our hearts and in our lives. So uh, I referenced the story a few minutes ago of a man that was in his 80s that lost his son which feels like in terms of a spectrum, like way on this side for a lot of us, you know. You're like, I just want to pay off my student loan debts, you know. And the storm is different for everybody and I remember the conversation, the reason that it was so shaping for my heart and my life is that he spent, which I love, 10, 15, 20 minutes, like diving deeply into the pain and the questions and the marriage things that came out of it and the struggle that they felt and the walking away from faith at one point. And and, and my favorite part of it is like looking up to God if you're there and saying words that you probably wouldn't say very often in church, most of us. He shook his fist and he yelled and he swore. He said, but then there was a day that I decided that I was going to stop reaching and placing myself at the center of all of it. And I was going to submit my life and my understanding to Jesus. The powerful part about what he said wasn't that he woke up the next day and everything was great. Because his son wasn't there the next day. But he said he woke up the next day. I Don't miss this. He woke up the next day and still felt pain and still felt suffering and still had questions and still had doubt. But he had submitted to God and said, I'm going to follow you. And what he described next was one of the most powerful things I ever heard. He said, the thing that drew me then out of bed, the thing that drew me through my day, the thing that gave me the strength that I needed was not me. It was not my own understanding. It was coming to God open-handed and saying, I'm going to follow you with this whole baggage of things behind me, but I'm going to follow you and I'm going to trust you in every moment and I'm going to walk this journey with you. And in his 80s, still with loss and pain and questions, but driven through his life by something more. And so for those of us who are in the middle of a storm, my question for you is going to be, will you surrender? Will you come to Jesus open-handed saying, here's all of it? Will you have an honest conversation, even if it's praying with your eyes open to a ceiling fan and saying, if you're up there, I'm mad and I'm angry, but I'm going to follow in the midst. I'm going to do what you call me to do. Some of you are in that storm right now. and The question is, will you follow when you don't understand? Will you act in obedience when you don't have all the answers? Will you walk towards Jesus in the ways that he's called us to live and not away from it? So to wrap up our time together, we're going to we're going to do a song and the song has four lines in it that I think are so perfect for what we're going to talk about. It says this, Far be it from me to not believe even when my eyes can't see. That when I'm in the storm and I have questions and doubt even when I don't know why, far be it from me to step away from faith altogether but trust you through it. And it says this, in the bridge and it gets so big it says this, So let go my soul and trust in him. The waves and wind still know God of the universe still with you powerful with you through it and we'll walk with you every step of the journey so what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to stand up and i want to pray for you and then we're going to do this song as we do this song here's what i want to say to you and I'm going to ask this for the next few minutes if you would let's, let's just hang here for a second and Some of you, you're standing right now and the emotion you feel is anger. Because following Jesus means something if you do that. Some of you, and you're just scared and you're frightened. Some of you just feel broken. these next few minutes, maybe for you, it's not singing. It's just standing there in whatever emotion you're feeling and reading these lyrics on the screen. For some of you, it may be singing. This is a sign of surrender. But for all of us in the room, we have gone from here to here, and we look back, and we can point to hope. Over these next few minutes, if you're a good singer, if you're a bad singer like me, whatever that is for you, I'm going to ask you, those of you who walk this road, to sing it with everything you have, passionately. Not for you, but for everybody in this room who needs to be reminded the God of the universe is with them through the storm. Let's pray together. Father. The level of angst and brokenness and questions that are here in this room are more than we could probably ever fathom and more than we'll ever know about. God, I ask in these next few moments that in like a tangible way that you would remind us that you're with us and that we can sing it is well with my soul when it is not well with everything else around us pray for the person in this room who's struggling with obedience. God, I ask that you would help them to take steps of faith and discipline towards obedience. pray for the person in this room who walked away from faith a long time ago because of what they felt like you did if you're up there. I pray that you would just remind them that you're still there and you've been there the whole time. For those of us who are stepping into a storm that we can't even fathom and don't even know that's ahead of us, that you would give us the strength and remind us what we need to do. And we ask that you would meet us in these next few moments in this place and that we could find our trust and our hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
4: quaked before, moved by the sound of his voice, and sees that are shaken and mountain that's in front
3: hits a lot of us in different ways and we all kind of have different kind of action steps that we need to take but here's what i say to you some of you you're here and uh what you want to do is you just need to like let somebody in like we talked about and so I want to let you know like we're gonna have a team of people up here that would love to meet you and, and pray with you and uh and that sort of thing some of you it is that next step of like marriage mentoring and that sort of thing for some of you it's like addiction thing you know Um, and we we have uh, people we'd love for you to talk to like you can talk to people up here about that and we can kind of point you in some directions there Um, but here's what I would challenge you to do if you're in a storm right now don't do it alone talk to somebody about it today I'll be I'll be out in the lobby we'd love to meet you out there Um, whatever that looks like have a conversation with somebody today and then if you're a person you're like I've walked through that and I need to take a next step to share my story with other people uh, we'd love to connect with you as well so if you go out to the info station uh, do that uh, we'd love to connect with you And, and whether that's here or pointing you somewhere else in the community where you can leverage that. Uh, we would love to point you in that direction. Um, and then next week we're continuing this series, uh, taking it one step further. And so we'd love for you to come back uh, next week as we continue that. And if it's your first time, we'd love to connect you with you too. And uh, starting point, that's an environment we have right out there. We can get some more information about our church. Thanks so much for being here. And, uh, and we'll see you right back here uh, next Sunday. See you soon.
0: Hey, thanks for your message. Hey, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so as we're wrestling with the struggles in our life, that is the time it seems where faith really either becomes real to us, <laughs> right, or whether we or make the decision to run.
3: Further, away right? From it. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah.
0: So, what would you say if someone is kind of in that yeah. moment right now, yeah. um, in the storm of life, and searching for answers, but maybe sure. coming up short?
3: Yeah. Well, I think um, I think for me, I think it's important to acknowledge that even if you're somebody growing up in church or you've had faith the whole time, when a storm hits, I think everybody's a skeptic. So even if you're a yeah. person that's not a follower or of Jesus, no. you've yeah. never been that person, or you're skeptical of the whole thing. You know, yeah. uh, even people who are followers of Jesus are skeptical in some of the most difficult moments of life, and you're kind of pointing to different things, and uh, often times I think we talk a lot about an anchor, like what's anchored you and centered you in your life, and we believe that Scripture is, is that uh, for us. And so, uh, but for a lot of you, like even listening to the narrative today, you're like, I have questions about that. Was that even accurate? Is that kind of a thing? And yeah. and so we're going to talk about a couple different ways of that. But I wanted to highlight one thing for you is uh, Cliff Johnson, who's our lead pastor at our Birmingham campus, he actually sat down. With a guy who currently lives in Malta, and, and he's a diver, and he actually discovered parts of the ship uh, that we believe that it, it was Paul's ship that he was on. Uh, and so, if you're skeptical, what I want to do for a couple of minutes is have you watch this video and, and actually see some of that in terms of like the logical side, and then maybe we could come back right afterwards and talk about maybe what the other side of that looks like in terms of, of having faith. So, watch that. Let's watch this video oh, together. Yeah, let's take yeah.
5: Well, hey, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. This means a lot to us. We're super excited to talk to you today. Can you give us a sense of when you knew that this discovery might be from Paul's shipwreck on the island of Malta?
6: When I discovered the anchor, brought it up, and uh, discovered the uh, inscriptions on it, because this is why this anchor is a bit unique. Uh, it has two gods. Uh, Egyptian gods embossed coming out of the lead on each side, Isis and Serapis. This is a a replica of a Roman anchor. The lead stock at the top is what is discovered. So, in the case of the Isis-Serapis anchor I I, I found on the seabed, uh, this weighs one ton. The size of the anchors shows that it was a very, very big ship and by Roman standards. And we have to remember that St. Paul was on a ship that carried 276 men. We have this in the Acts of the Apostles. A lot of scholars and archaeologists believe that Salina Bay would be the, the shipwreck site and that we have enough evidence now to prove that uh, it could have happened in, in that area. Can you give us an idea
5: What is the significance of Paul and his journey, and specifically this shipwreck, to the people in the island of Malta? Can you give us a sense of what that means to you there?
6: The shipwreck of St. Paul on Malta was when uh, Malta sort of found its heritage. First of all, you have to remember that this is a tiny island, just 17 miles long by 15 miles wide. We have 359 churches. That's more than one church a day. Uh, there's a church per square kilometer, which is less than a square mile. So you can imagine how densely populated, how Christianity was influenced uh, this country. When Paul came to Malta. it's not just Christianity that was made. It unified the country as a nation. One of my favorite
5: parts of your story is that at some point, the Pope himself got involved. Can you tell us what happened there?
6: Pope Benedict immediately became very interested in it. He's a brilliant theologian, uh, and very few know that he also is a keen uh, archaeologist himself. A request from the Vatican that His Holiness would like to inspect this anchor. He said, is this coming from an Egyptian grain ship? And I remember telling him, your homeliness, we can't say for sure, but there are the inscriptions. And then I remember him touching my elbow and saying, yes, ISIS. And I was speechless. It's true, the Pope did read the, the reports, and he did have a personal interest, and he did really uh, ask to see uh, the anchor.
5: Mark, there are a ton of skeptics out there. And people who just aren't sure the bible is true and really question that how do you feel like this discovery would really help those who are skeptical and really aid in the validity of the bible and particularly this story
6: skeptics will say you will always doubt the uh, the holy bible um what proofs do we have when you weigh all the evidence nothing compares to the artifacts that were found outside salina bay and then when you compare those artifacts with what is written in the Acts of the Apostles by Luke. And what was found on land, it all fits like a glove. It all makes a lot and a lot of sense. And we can honestly say that we know more or less what happened, that what is written in the Acts of the Apostles is all true, as the way Luke experienced it and the way he wrote it in the Acts of the Apostles.
5: Mark, I can't imagine what it must have felt like to make this discovery personally, so, help us understand what has this meant to you and your personal faith journey as you made this unbelievable breakthrough
6: there's a lot to Paul that, that uh, as such bringing Christianity to us who weren 't from the chosen people and who brought Christianity to the rest of the world and I got to admire Paul now more than uh, obviously before and uh, obviously finding something that proves that the bible is real um makes a difference to in one's life The discovery has definitely improved my my faith and uh, solidified consolidated more what um, what what I've always believed in
5: Mark, we are so grateful for the time that you took to spend with us today. And we are so excited to see what happens with your documentary and the book that you've written. And we wish
6: you all the best in the future. Thanks again for being with us. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to share the story on the other side of the world in such a big country when we're so tiny over here. Um, And God bless all the people who are hearing me. And God bless America and the Americans. Left enjoyed this doing this very much. Thank you.
0: So that's an incredible story. I love that yeah. finding uh, a sunken I know, right? Sunken treasure. And yeah, the
3: Pope got involved. You're right, yeah, the Pope's so
0: involved. But yeah, yeah, I love that. Like when you have questions about whether the Bible is true, you do find things in even archaeology that confirm that Paul was by this island, that there was yeah. a shipwreck. Right. But even that. Maybe it's enough for some people to yeah. come over that, but even yeah. with that, you hit a point. It's gonna be—we're still gonna have questions. We're still gonna have struggles,
3: right? No, absolutely. I, and I think that's such an important part. Of it. And there is the part that's like the intellectual. There's the science part. There's the archaeological evidence. There's a point where that will take you so far, but at some point, you have to like, you have to have faith. Like, you have to trust God. Yeah. And really, I think for us, and you and I, you know, this, we're, like, you have to be in a group of people that are furthering you. Those moments sure. So, like one of the things that we point to a lot of small groups around here, uh, you and I are both in a small group, and I, and I think that's part of like, yeah, you know, it's important for us day in and day out. But it's also like uh, it's it's a preventative thing, right? Like when life happens, when the storm comes, when those difficulties are there and they're present, we need people around us who are going to spur us on, point us to the hope that we need to be in, and they're going to come alongside us during those moments of brokenness. And so, I would say, uh, no matter where you are, if, you, if you're not in a group of people or in a community that that is kind of spurring you on, whether you're in a storm or not, I think that's an important. Thing to do. The other thing that we talked about is like marriage mentoring. That's a big thing around here. If your if your marriage is struggling, get help before it gets too bad. But even if it is that point where you're like we're we're thinking about separating or whatever yeah. that is,
0: even, if you, yeah. like right. yeah. even if you
3: don't feel like there's hope, right? Yeah, even if you don't feel like there's hope, that's the point where you you say, hey, we really we really need to invite yeah. somebody yeah. in. Um, and then another one we talked about today is addiction right a lot of people struggle with addiction or have a family member that struggles with addiction sure. um, and downstate you know if you're in the metro detroit area we have celebrate recovery up here in traverse city we have a lot of avenues for you to get connected to as well um, but we we just would say you got to take a next step and you got to get in community with other people um, and then and then continue to trust and recognize that that longing inside of you that is reaching for more than you is extraordinarily important and you need to pay attention to it uh, and, and i think you got to follow that you know? through through the storm so yeah yeah it's awesome well thanks thanks so much
0: for everyone for participating online today and really we just encourage you to take that next step whatever it looks like whether it's connecting with someone uh, through those struggles or whether it's showing up we'd love to see you in person but we will catch you next week yeah
4: see you soon